Now, let me preface this story with the fact that my parents are here. And so, Mom and Dad, you can wave and say hi. These are my parents. This is Alden Phyllis Martin. And before, they told me they were coming after I wrote the sermon, so it's going to be in there. Um, not, nothing bad, but just when I grew up, I remember that, that Mom and Dad would make uh, different meals that we had, right? They're different meals growing up. There things we always had, things that were standard, uh, just kind of like, hey, tonight is, you know, whatever night. And one of those nights was pork chops, right? And so we would have pork chops and rice. And so you would take the pork chops and you would put them into the, the oven with the ceramic, ceramic uh, glass dish and put the rice in there. You didn't have to like cook the rice beforehand because it all cooked together. And you ended up with this like pork chop and rice and it was kind of gooey, but it was also some of the rice on top would get crispy when it was in the oven. And so like, you know what I'm talking about? Like you had those little crunchy bits and everything was great. It was awesome. Uh, and and I, I loved pork chop night. It was, a, it was a good night. I think I'm probably making this up. She's probably going to tell you he hated pork chops. Um, but about 15 years ago, my wife and I went to Perry's Steakhouse in Friendswood. And when we went to Perry's Steakhouse, I had in my mind, I was looking at the menus. The first time I'd ever been, people said, you need to go check this out. So we went, and I thought, you know, steak, chicken. I sort of started looking at the menu, and I had steak, all sorts of steaks, all different prices of steaks. Um, they had chicken, um, and they had pork chops. And I was like, well, I know what pork chops are. And no offense, but if I'm going to go pay this much for food, I'm not going to get the pork chops. Because I remember what pork chops were like. And uh, so I'm sitting down at the table, and my wife, we're about to, about to order, and I look over, and there's the table next to me. It's this part, the waiter comes down, and they set this plate. And this plate's about this big, and it has this hunk of meat that's like this. And I was like, well, I know it's not steak, right? And I know it's not chicken. What could that be? You know what it turns out it was? Pork chops. Like, I had never known, like, I, all my life growing up, seriously, I just knew that pork chops were like this, and they were fine, they were perfect, they were great. I had no idea that pork chops could be, like, two pounds thick. And they cut it off the bone, and they give it to you. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely having that. I had no idea. My mind was blown. I was wondering, like, like what are the other possibilities? Like, one, what pig did this pork chop come from? And, and, and I, I love my parents, and I just have to be careful because they're watching the game afterwards, and they're going to be with me. But I felt like part of me had been, you know, kind of like kept in the dark about some things. Like I found out some other things later. Did you know that there are, that, that there are restaurants that are completely dedicated to serving ramen noodles? Like, ramen noodles aren't a 25-cent package of noodles that you drop in the boiling water and then add powdered chicken flavor to. Right? That's just like, that's, that's all I knew. I mean, I'm, and I'm embarrassed to say, this is not long ago that I figured this out. Um, and, and I love Kraft macaroni and cheese, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, too long, it wasn't like you know, a long time, that I figured out that there was more to, to cheese, macaroni and cheese, than a box and powdered sugar. Powdered cheese. Powdered sugar would be interesting. Powdered cheese. But my point is this. Um, I was so focused on what I knew, I was fo so, so focused on, on what I thought that it was, a certain mindset, that I couldn't imagine there were more possibilities. I couldn't imagine there was, there was more. And the problem is this, when we focus on our perception, we don't see the possibilities. And when we focus on only what we know, 
we can't know what we don't know. And when we focus only on what we know, our experiences, our past, our capabilities, then it limits the possibilities we have to solve problems, to meet needs, and to care for others. In today's scripture, there is a problem, right? Uh, the disciples get in the boat, or they, 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 and they're like, hey, we're, we're off. Jesus, it's been a long day, a long week taking care of people, healing people. Uh, um, you know, uh, if you go back to chapter 4, which we heard last week, he met with a Samaritan woman. We heard that story. And then sometimes after this, um, he uh, ends up going and talking with the Pharisees, and he heals somebody on the Sabbath, which is a no-no. And so he gets in a fight with the Pharisees about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And, and, and anytime you see words like this, sometime after this, make sure and go back and read what happened sometime before this. So I gave you a real quick recap, recap but I would love for you to go and, and look at it on your own. But Jesus decides, hey, guys, let's go, let's get away, let's go to the other side, let's chill out for a little bit. Have you ever had a hard, hectic day, and at the end of the day, you're just like, nobody talked to me, I'm good, you have your chair, your TV, whatever that is. Or maybe it's a week, you have a long, hard work at week, and you're just looking forward to that one day where you have nothing to do every day. Like Jesus is like that. But you know what happens whenever you have that one day and you're like, I have nothing else to do. And then you hear a knock on the door or a phone call or, hey, do you just have a minute to? No, I don't. That's what you want to say. Well, I, I can imagine the same thing here. Like Jesus and the disciples were over, they're off, and they saw all of a sudden they hear this kind of murmur. And they hear like a little yell here or something. Look up, and, and across the way, they see that the crowd has walked around the top of the sea of the lake and is coming toward them. And I can imagine in my mind that, that I would have two reactions. Well, I'd have one reaction. How fast can we go? If we leave now, we can get ahead of them and go somewhere else. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all them to eat? Philip probably has the same reaction. He could either, you know, figure that out, or I don't have to go faster than them. I just go have to go faster than you. But he doesn't do that. Jesus looks at Philip and says, how are we going to take care of them? And what's interesting is he doesn't say, are we going to take care of them? He, he doesn't say, should we take care of them? He says, how are we going to take care of them? It's not a question of whether or not to do something. That part is already decided. It's how are we going to do it. And I think what are the possibilities? I think sometimes we, 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 we debate and spend time trying to figure things out. But what if we spent less time debating whether we should do something and spent all that time figuring out how we're going to do something? Because Jesus says, care for the sick. Tend to the poor, look out for the widows and orphans, set the oppressed free, clothe the naked, love your neighbors, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. That part is decided. So, so what if we spend our energy trying to figure out how we're going to take care of that? And the great part is we don't necessarily have to figure it out on our own. Back in, in verse 6, uh, Jesus, uh, the scripture says that, that he asked Philip this only to test him. For he already had in his mind what he was going to do. 
Jesus already had the possibilities. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Uh, he was just asking Philip. He knows the plan. And he's asking that question maybe not so that Philip can come up with the plan, not because he has, needs an answer, but because he needs us to trust him. And Philip answers, he says, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy even one small piece of bread for everyone to have a bite. You see, Philip hears this answer and, and this question, and what does he do? He goes back to eighth-inch pork chop thinking. He goes back to, this is what I always knew. This is what I know. This is what I can do. This is what I can figure out. He focuses on his own perception, and he doesn't see the possibilities. Now, he's been with Jesus for a long time, for a while. He's seen miracles worked. He's seen things that he couldn't have seen before. He, 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 he sees what the possibilities, he has seen what the possibilities could be. But Philip tells Jesus why it can't be done. Instead of focusing on what can be done. And if I'm honest, sometimes I do the same thing. I, I look and say, yeah, I know we're supposed to do that. I know you're calling us to do that. But I can't. We can't because of. As a church, sometimes we say that. and We say it's lack of money or lack of volunteers. or It would be too much work or COVID or any number of reasons. But what would happen if we spent more time figuring out what we could do instead of focusing on those things that we can't do? So another disciple comes up, Andrew, and says, hey, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Andrew gets in the conversation. He's like, hey, it's not much, I know, but, but there's this kid, and he brought his lunch with him, and, and he's got some bread and some fish. It, it's probably not enough even to make a tuna fish sandwich, but, but it's, everything, it's everything he has. And Jesus looks at that kid with the five, lo five loaves and fish, everything he has, and he says, that'll do. And he takes it, and he multiplies it, and they distribute it, and 5,000 men plus women and children eat, and they have leftovers. Jesus took all he had and turned it into more than they needed. He took a little kid's lunch and fed 5,000 people. But what had to happen, what had to happen in order for that to happen was for the boy to say, Jesus, it's, it's not much, but it's everything I have. And he can do more with it, you can do more with it than I can. So here it is. I think sometimes we limit what we can do by focusing on what we don't have. I can't teach a Bible study. I haven't learned the Bible all the way through. I can't go to UM Army and be a small group leader because I couldn't even build a box to save my life. I can't do fill in the blank. How can I possibly make a difference? What do I have that can possibly help? Jesus, all I have is... And Jesus goes, that'll do. Can you imagine the possibilities if we said... All I have is my family and my relationships and where I live and the street where I am. That'll do. What if you said, here's my, my career, here's my future, here's the plans that I have, 
And he says, give it to me. That'll do. Here's my finances, my education, my abilities, my gifts, my talents. Here's my life. Do with it what you will. If he can take a few fish and feed 5,000 people, imagine what he can do with a life devoted to him. If he can take a few fish and some bread and feed 5,000 people, imagine what he can do with a church devoted to him. What are the possibilities? And what it takes is for us to go and say, God, this is, this is all I have. He says, that'll do. And he feeds the world. Would you pray with me? Dear God. 